Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Happy Palm Sunday. Let's clap our palms together one more time for Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So good to see our visitors today. Would love to have a cup of coffee with you after service today. There's a hospitality suite right down the hall and to your right. And I'd love to spend some time with you and get to know you. And if you've got any questions, I'd be glad to make an attempt to answer them. Psalm 150. I appreciated the worship that we've had already today. And definitely a sign from God because I'm going to talk about the difference between praise and worship today. And the first song that we sang had to do with praise, but the second song that we sang said, we worship you for who you are. So praise is offered up to God based upon performance, but worship is offered up to God based upon position. What position does God hold in your life? And today I'm going to talk to you about going on beyond the point of praise. Psalm 150. Now there's going to be four things that are going to be covered in these six verses. It's going to tell you where to praise. It's going to tell you why we praise. It's going to tell you what we praise with. And it's going to tell you who should praise. So watch for it, okay? They're in that order. Psalm 150 and verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. God wants to be praised in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Why? Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. With what? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And who? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything. If you're breathing. Praise God. If you have a brain tumor and you're breathing, praise him. Praise him. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, there are are things in the scripture that indicate to us as to how God wants to be praised and he wants to be worshiped. How many believe the word of God is the manual of life? The manual of life. And so when we take a look not only at Psalm 150, we can find all kinds of things in the scripture that God desires in praise and in worship. We are living in a generation that knows how to worship. If you have a television, if you can read a newspaper and see pictures in the newspaper, you will see people everywhere worshiping. They are at sporting events. They are worshiping. They will clap. They will stand to their feet. 
They will clap their hands. They will raise their hands. They will shout. They will dance. And it's not just sporting events. You can go to concerts and and professional acts that are on stage. And people are very exuberant about the way that they respond to the event that is taking place. Can I get an amen? And so they already have shown you how, but they learned, they don't even realize where it came from. The Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands unto the Lord. We dance before the Lord. We shout before the Lord. We run before the Lord. We, we respond to God's presence. And that's what God wants. It's what he desires. Now, I'm going to give you some things to think about here today. I know it's Palm Sunday and you're expecting uh, uh, to hear about Lazarus, so I'll give you just this little tidbit about Lazarus before I move in the direction I feel God wants me to go today. Lazarus could have been healed instead of resurrected. I'm not going to take the time to read the account, but when Jesus found out about Lazarus' condition, the Bible said he abode two days still. And that by the time he got to Lazarus, he had already been dead for four days. Now, if Jesus would have come before Lazarus had died, he certainly would have healed him. And for that, he would have received praise. But he allowed his friend to die so that he could be worshipped and that he could demonstrate that he is the resurrection. It was a part of his plan, a part of his plan. God wants to be worshipped. He'll take your praise, but he wants to be worshipped. Let me Read this account to you from Luke 19 concerning Lazarus and the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When he was, this is Luke 19, 37. When he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. A fulfillment of Psalm 150. And they were saying, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Do you know why? Because they believed that this kind of worship only belonged to God. It should not be given to man. And they thought that Jesus was only a man. And he should not receive this kind of worship. But listen to his answer. I tell you that if these will hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. If my creation in human form will not worship me, nature will take your place. Rocks and trees and sun and moon and stars will all begin to worship in your place. Never let a stone take your place of worship. That was reserved for you. Give God what he deserves. 
He deserves not only your praise, he deserves your worship. My mother learned this lesson in a, in a very hard way. My, when my mother first got saved, she was very exuberant in her worship. But she also had this little bit of a twinge of, uh, I don't know if the word is rebellion, but she just had this twinge of pushing the borders. And so she decided that even though she'd received the Holy Ghost, knew what it was like to be in the presence of God, she was going to go back to the church that she had previously attended and become a member there. I'll just stay there as a member even though I've received this experience. So she went to the church that Sunday. She got in her, she could do this. She could get in her prayer closet and shut everything else out. And she began to worship the new way that she had found. And she started clapping her hands, lifting her hands, and pretty soon she was speaking in tongues. One man grabbed each of her arms from each side took her outside the building and said, we don't worship that way here. Don't ever come back here again. Listen, you gotta, when, when God gives you liberty, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. Why would you go back to bondage? Let me demonstrate this to you. The children of Israel, I want to read this to you today. I'm, I'm going to give you three illustrations before I finish preaching today. And this is the first one. The first one is this. The children of Israel were in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years. Ten generations. Finally, in their desperation, they called out to God for deliverance. And God gave them a deliverer. And that deliverer was Moses. And Moses was instructed to take his rod and his staff and appear before Pharaoh and give Pharaoh instruction as to how to release his slaves. And so he stood before Pharaoh and said, here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to release his people that they may go three days into the wilderness and sacrifice and worship their God. You are to release them immediately. Pharaoh said, I don't know who your God is, and I won't. And the plagues began. And as the plagues increased on the Egyptians, and they began losing their strength and their wealth, they began to back up in their position. And they had two fallback positions that I can find. And I want to show you these fallback positions. Pharaoh tries to compromise with Moses. And in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 8, it says, Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God. But who's going to go? This is Exodus 10. Who's going to go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, we will go. We must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, let the Lord so be with you as I will let you go and your little ones look unto it for evil is before you. Not so. Go now then that are men and serve the Lord for that is what you desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. In case you didn't get it, here's what he said. 
You old people, go ahead. But leave the young ones. Don't make the mistake of taking your little ones into the wilderness. Let them stay right here in Egypt. We'll take care of your little ones. Is anybody preaching with me today? Can you see the pattern here? The world is after your kids and your grandkids. Maybe they can't convert you. Maybe you're too solid in the doctrine and in your faith, but it's trying to keep your children. And you have to stand up as Moses did and say, no sir, our young and our old, all of our possessions, everything we own is leaving together. Everything is going three days into the wilderness and there we will sacrifice and we will worship our God together. Don't give your kids to the world. They are your most precious possession. He'd already made, let me show you one other attempt that he had made in, in Exodus chapter eight. Pharaoh called, this is uh, eight and 25. Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, go ahead and sacrifice to your God. Stay in the land, just as my mother. Stay right here. You can worship right where you are. You know, you can worship from a tree. You can worship in your house. You can worship on your job. But be careful, folks. Be careful that you don't get tricked into something here that says you don't need the body you don't need the sanctuary. You can do this as a family and you can do it on your own. Wait a minute. If we have by one spirit have been baptized into one body, what is a hand without a body? How do all the other needs that a life has get met if the hand separates itself from the body? Be very, very careful. Don't be tricked. That's why the Bible said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. Forsake not the gathering together as the custom of some is. Say, well, my family, there's two or more of us. We can, you know, that constitutes God's presence being there. He's not talking about one family. You're a family unit. He's talking about gathering together. Somebody say amen. Don't, you, you can worship God right here in Egypt. We'll give you some shrines or you can sacrifice your animals right here. But listen to what Moses had to say about that, about that idea of staying where you are. It is not me to do. We will sacrifice, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God? Lo, we will sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes and will they not stone us? They'll kick us out. They'll run us off. But we will go three days journey into the wilderness. We will sacrifice to the Lord our God as he command us. Pharaoh saw he wasn't getting anywhere, so this is what he said. I'll let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Entreat me. Here's what he's saying. Don't get carried away with this idea of worship. 
I have a concern. I don't want to be sophisticated. <clears throat> now, don't, don't get too excited. Just, just clap your hands. At the appropriate time, lift your hands. Like, I don't know, it looks like a cat caught in a screen door, you know. Don't, don't, come on now. Don't get too excited in your worship. It might become a disturbance or a distraction to other people. Listen, folks, we came to worship God. We didn't come to appease one another. This is not just a fellowship. This is a worship service. It's meant to be demonstrative. David, when he led the worship service, man, he danced with all of his might. His crown fell off. His robe fell off. He didn't care. He was demonstrative in his worship. Do not fall into sophisticated worship where you just, I mean, it's all you can do to stand. I've seen people sometimes stand in a worship service with their hands in their pockets. It scares me. That's not what your hands were made for. Your hands were made to clap, to lift, to worship. Somebody said amen. Do not become sophisticated. Go past the point of praise. Enter into worship. Do you remember when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you remember how it started? It started out with praise. And pretty soon you were in the spirit and you were worshiping. And when you were speaking in other tongues, it was a worship language. You had passed the point of praise. You were beyond that. You were beyond your watch. You didn't know what time it was. And quite frankly, you didn't care. All that mattered was that you were in the presence of God and in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I remember my brother, the first time he felt the presence of God, he became a wild man. He just, I, I mean, he cried and he sobbed and he screamed and and. Uh, even in a Pentecostal church, he was louder than anybody else. And I remember two of the ushers, they were kind of uncomfortable and they tried to go over and, and calm him down a little bit because he was becoming a distraction. And he said, whatever you do, don't take me out of this room. Whatever you do, don't take me out of this room. He had waited all of his life to be in the presence of God and to worship in spirit and in truth. And the one thing he feared was that somebody would take him away from the presence of God. Don't let Pharaoh talk you into not going too far. Stay close, stay in, be a part of society, blend in, that's what he's saying. Blend in with everybody else. Don't speak up. But we've got to go beyond just our Pentecostal praises. And we've got to enter into the holy of holies. I'm not content with the outer court. Not even just the holy place. 
I want to enter into the holy of holies. And I want to worship in spirit and in truth. Let me read this to you. Woman, this is John 4 and 21. Believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. We know what we worship. He was speaking to Samaritan woman. We know what we worship. We, we, for salvation is of the Jews. See it? Did you catch it? If all you got is salvation, if all you've got is repentance and a new birth experience, that's enough. If you never get anything else, that's enough. Everything else beyond that is a bonus. I'm gonna do my best with the time that I have left in life to convince people that there really is eternal life. There really is. And if all you have is salvation, then you are able to worship. Salvation is of the Jews, and now we can say it is of the Christian. But then he went on to say, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, true worshipers, that means there's some fakes out there. Somebody said amen? When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Notice that spirit is a small s. You know why? Because that's your human spirit. If you've received the Holy Ghost, you've got two spirits. You've got the Holy Spirit, and you've still got your human spirit. And sometimes you've got to force your human spirit to do what it does not want to do. Because sometimes it's lazy, It, uh, man, I don't want to go to prayer. I don't want to go to a prayer meeting tonight. I've worked hard all day. I don't want to go to church. And even if you get there, you're still tired, and they're not singing the song you want them to sing. Somebody missed a word. Somebody missed a note. You can't worship. If they sing the song I want to sing, then I'll worship. Your flesh is controlling your worship service. But when you say, listen, you are going to clap. You are going to be enthusiastic. Say, well, you're just faking it. All right, then fake it. Fake it till you make it. You know what you're supposed to, sometimes you just got to do what you're supposed to do because that's what you're supposed to do. And you're going to do it on Monday morning. How many of you are looking forward to going to work tomorrow? A few of you are. Most of you aren't. But you know what? You're going. And you're going to be rewarded for it. And you know what? If you worship God in spirit with a small s, you're going to be rewarded for that too. Spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a, look at that capital S, a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not everybody can worship God. 
You gotta have truth. That's why some people will never be able to go past praise. That's as far as they can go. Genesis chapter 22. Let me read it to you. Verse 2 says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I'll tell you of. I am convinced, this is my opinion, you don't like it, throw it away. I am convinced that the thing that Abraham valued most in his life was his son. He loved that boy. He waited a long time for that promise to be fulfilled in his life. And now when this boy is in his prime, the Lord says, take him and offer him for a sacrifice. He consults with nobody. I can't find any evidence that he talked with Sarah, any of his friends. I can't find any evidence that he got down and prayed and tried to talk God out of it. He just got up the next day and did what he was told to do. He brought two of his servants with him. And then in verse 5 it says, Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we'll sacrifice. I'm going to kill him on the altar. That's not what he said. He said, the lad and I will go yonder, and we will worship, and come again to you. You can take some people with you only so far. But going beyond praise and into worship, you're going to have to say, well, you can stay here, but I'm going yonder to worship. Don't worry about other people and the fact that they're not worshiping around you. Don't, don't be distracted by that. Matter of fact, if, if what you see in front of you bothers you, get closer to the front of the church. Put those people behind you. Go yonder. Go a little bit farther, farther than what you did last Sunday, farther than what you've already done this morning, but go yonder and worship. And then finally, before Abraham can kill him, verse 12 says, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld thy son thine only son from me. Do you know why God chose Isaac? Because that was Abraham's most valued possession. What if God asks for your most valued possession? Whether it's a person or a thing, will you give it in worship? Would you? How about your wife? How about your children? How about if you lost your home? How about if both of your cars break down? Still gonna worship? See, here it is again. 
You can worship even when you don't feel like praising. Because you have made some deposits in your faith account. And if there are no deposits in your faith account, when your trials come, you're going to be waning, not waiting in your faith. But if you've made those deposits, and if you've got a memory, and if you've got some memorials, you'll be able to worship even when things go bad. And God will be able to say to you, now I know. Now that I see how you handle this trial, now that I see that you will withhold absolutely nothing from me, now I know how much you love me. And I love your worship. I love your worship. Do you remember a verse of scripture in Romans chapter 12? Um, Sister Kylie, can you bring that up for me? I want you to see this verse, Romans 12 and one. She's good at this, she'll get it. I'm surprising her a little bit, but I want you to see this verse, Romans 12, one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, it's talking to believers, somebody said amen, believers. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, not a dead, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, several translations end this verse with this is your reasonable act of worship. Presenting your bodies. Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, whatever you require of me, whatever you want me to sacrifice, I give it as an act of worship. Pretty quiet in here now. One more example and I'll stop today. Two great men of God. Paul and Silas, preachers of the gospel, laying hands on the sick, miraculous signs and wonders coming through their life, preaching the gospel, are captured, beaten, and thrown into a prison where their hands and their feet are locked in stocks. They can't move, they live with rats, the conditions are poor, and they have been beaten. The multitude, verse 22, rose together against them. The multitude, the majority. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them, into, that means he threw them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They're not having a good day. God has not performed to this point on their behalf. Would you admit that you could at least think in your mind, is this what I get for serving God? 
Is this my reward? And where are the people that we've ministered to? How come they don't stand up for us? They could feel sorry for themselves. They could be angry and disappointed with everyone around them and even let down by God. But instead, at midnight, the darkest hour of the night, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Wow. I I believe that they passed the point of praise. They didn't consider their circumstances, their situation. They just prayed and worshiped. And look what the result of such behavior in the difficulty of their test brought them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and every, everyone's bands were loosed. Can you imagine this? These people worshiping in spite of their circumstances brings an earthquake and, and all the prisoners heard the worship That's important. People are watching you. They're listening to what you have to say when you deal with difficult circumstances. They know what you're going through. How are you gonna handle it when things don't go your way? They're waiting for your response. Keep on praying. Keep on praising. Keep on worshiping. There's about to be an earthquake. And when the earthquake takes place, Every prison door will be open, not just yours. Every man's bands will be loosed, not just yours. Because God is about to liberate people from the bondage that Satan has brought against them. Praise God. Hallelujah. And let me conclude with this. Read the rest of the chapter on your own. The jailer knows that everybody's gonna get away free. And so he grabs his sword and he's gonna kill himself. And Paul says, oh, wait a minute. Do yourself no harm. We ain't leaving. This ain't a jailbreak. And the man is so convicted, he says, What do I need to do to be saved? Obviously, you got something I ain't got. And I want it. If you're here today and you feel intimidated by other people that worship and praise and and, and glorify God and you don't feel like you're there yet, just hang on. It's coming. The people you hang out with is the person you'll become. You hang out with Jesus, you'll be more like him. You hang out with his disciples, you'll be more like them. Somebody said amen. It's coming. It doesn't happen overnight. Be patient. What do I need to do to be saved? So he preaches to him and he, and he baptizes him and, and the guy's whole household. There are conversions because of worship. Worship. Let's stand together. So God...
whatever you want, I'm here to give it. I felt impressed today to take our morning offering when you come to the altar today. Because the giving of your tithes and your offerings is an act of worship. It's the giving of gifts. It's the surrendering of something that you could spend on yourself, but you give to God first and his kingdom. So today, when you come to this altar, I encourage you to bring your tithes and your offerings, plenty of baskets around. But when you come to this altar today, whether you need a healer, a savior, a financial blessing, a deliverer, I know somebody that you should be worshiping. And if you will fall at his feet, if you will begin with praise and not be satisfied with the mundane, if you will press forward all the way through the tabernacle to the holy of holies, you will be able to enter into a place where nothing else matters but God's presence and what he has to say and do with you. I'm encouraging you today to come to this altar, not just to stand, but to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior, the Healer, the Deliverer, the Provider, the Protector, and as much as you can muster in your memory, Banks, remember how he's been all of these things to you and will be whenever you need him. If you can get beyond the point of praise. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.